Hi, this is Kevin McCullough. Thanks for listening to the Christian Outlook podcast, where we cover today's issues from a perspective that honors your Christian faith. Our podcast is brought to you through a partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. Here's another piece I trust you'll enjoy. In a recent opinion piece filed at the Washington Times, my guest this hour observed that President Joe Biden announced a list of new executive orders he will impose on the American people, including a call for the U.S. Treasury Department to immediately print another $2.3 billion, as with a B, folks, in this supposed apocalyptic battle against global warming. As my guest puts it, this is an emergency, says the president. In fact, he puts it this way. This is an emergency, our dear leader bellowed. I said it last week. I'll say it again loud and clear. I'll use my executive powers to combat the climate crisis in the absence of congressional action. Well, joining me right now to talk more about it, Dr. Everett Piper, former university president, radio host, author of a couple of great books, one, Not a Daycare, The Devastating Consequences of Abandoning Truth, and more recently, Grow Up. Life isn't safe, but it's good. His website, dreverettpiper.com, and his Twitter handle is at dreverettpiper. Dr. Piper, always an honor to talk to you, uh, talk to you and have you on the show. Thanks for joining me. Oh, Don, thank you for having me on. I'm honored. Now, t- talk first, if you would, about uh, really the profoundly negative and destructive impact the president and his cohorts are really inflicting on us and, well, really the whole world, actually. Uh, I mean, perpetrating their wild claims and predictions and uh, saying, look, it's uh, we've waited too long already. We have to do this, uh, this draconian solution. Uh, where is this coming from, in your view? Well, in my view, it's coming from a broken world view. I mean, that sounds overly yeah. simplistic, yeah. but but really what we have is a, is a new religion. And as you know, in my article, I called it the Church of Gaia, G-A-I-A. Gaia is the Greek god of nature, the goddess of nature, the goddess of Mother Earth. The Romans called it Terra Mater, Mother Earth. And we're worshiping the planet right now and elevating it above people. We actually have that you know the elitists at the World Economic Forum, like Jane Goodall, saying that we need to decrease the human population by ninety percent. Eric Pianca, a professor at the University of Texas, has said the exact same thing: reduce the human population by ninety percent because we are the problem. It's almost as if the human being is being declared a virus, a plague upon the earth, and we have to get rid of people in favor of the planet. This is worshiping Gaia. It's worshiping Mother Earth. And as the result, we're making incredibly stupid decisions. Sri Lanka, for example, they've declared a law in Sri Lanka where you can't buy fertilizer for farms. And as the result, they've had 54% increase in inflation, and they have 80% of the farmland lying fallow right now because farmers can't afford to do what they're supposed to do. And the, the, the citizens are in poverty and people are starving. They used to export grain from Sri Lanka. Now they have to import it. And then we know the stuff that's going on in the Netherlands right now where they're trying to shut down farms because they produce um, a disproportionate amount of beef and chicken and pork for the, for the entire European continent. So what are they going to do? They're going to impose regulations on the farmers because the cows 
have too much flatulence, and they're causing global warming. This is insane. That's exactly what's going on. We're worshiping the planet rather than elevating people, and as the result of that, we're treating people like there's some sort of disease on Mother Earth. And on that latter note that you just said, I said <laughs> this disease on Mother Earth, this is really part of the dynamic driving the profoundly strong and aggressive abortion movement, which uh, post uh, the Supreme Court decision on Roe v. Wade has gotten more heated up and more dangerous than ever. Yes. I mean, it's the same worldview. If human beings are the problem and right. our goal is to decrease the number of them, it doesn't matter by what means you decrease that population, whether it's birth control, whether it's euthanasia, or like Eric Bianco, this professor from the University of Texas suggested, we need a more aggressive means, a quicker means of decreasing the problem, decreasing the population. And it might be something like the Ebola virus. These people are actually saying stuff like this. And again, it's like Chuck Colson told us, if you get the first things wrong, everything thereafter is going to be wrong. We have everything upside down. We've elevated the planet over people rather than acknowledging that we are made in the Imago Dei. We're the image of God and the planet is here for us, not us for the planet, and that we're supposed to manage it and husband it and cultivate it and improve it. We're not supposed to bow before it and worship it. And one more point for this first break uh, that comes to mind is, of course, not only, as we've said, these uh, elements that are driving this, it's spiritual in nature. It's satanic, I would dare say, in its nature. Uh, and uh, you have the, the craziness coming out of it. We already mentioned the attack on our unborn children, but total disrespect for life, uh, human life, that is. And I'm uh, thinking, uh, Dr. Piper, as you probably remember, of the woman a few years ago, I think it was up in New York City, running through a restaurant weeping and crying because people were eating chickens. And uh, I think she may have even been carrying a chicken, but this whole, look, I don't have a, any opposition to people who are vegan because they, they like it or that's their dietary preference. But this, uh, it's like Paul said, they have come to worship the creature more than the creator. And uh, exactly. And when we do that, what does Paul say? We're given over to a reprobate mind. We can't think our way out of a paper bag any longer. We become fools because we can't even understand the, the natural order to the point where we start weeping over chicken, uh, chickens being uh, killed so that we can actually have food. But we don't shed a tear as we as the same people celebrate the right to choose to abort, i.e. to kill their own children, sacrificing those children essentially to Gaia, to Mother Earth, to Terra Mater because we would rather have our own comfort and we'd rather save the environment, save Mother Earth, even when the science is not even indicating that the sky really is falling. This is chicken little nonsense, quite frankly. But that doesn't matter. Facts don't matter to these people. Feelings matter because that's what they're worshiping rather than the God that we find in the Bible. They'd rather worship the God they see in the mirror. But Dr. Piper, on this issue of... Uh... Uh, just denying the the reality and, in fact, the hypocrisy, the profound hypocrisy of some of the greatest uh, proponents of this apocalyptic, I'll keep saying, uh, view of climate change and climate uh, global warming, John Kerry, Al Gore, Michael Moore, and several other culprits. And yet none of them in their uh, none of them ever adjust their own personal behavior or travel to match their words, do they? No, no, they're they're hypocrites, quite frankly. And I, I'm sorry to be so harsh, but that's exactly what they are. 
um, John Kerry flying the world in his private jets and whatnot. And likewise, these Hollywood moguls and and Al Gore purchased a $10 million plus home on the beaches of Montecito in, in California. Well, you know, if you're so concerned about the rising seas that they're going to cause all sorts of devastation, why are you investing so much of your own personal money in buying homes on the coast? I mean, this stuff makes no sense, and, and they know it. They know that the data doesn't support their position. I would argue that this is a play for power. This is not pursuing science. This is not this is not an agenda that's interested in truth. It's an agenda where they know that every time the weather patterns change, which they always have, you know, global warming, climate change, we used to just call it weather. Uh, they might want to read the Bible. <laughs> right. You know, over the course of thousands of years, we've had famine and we've had drought and we've had changes in weather patterns. But now, Anytime you have uh, what we're having right now, a heat wave across the Great Plains, well, it's got to be it's got to be anthropomorphic uh, climate change, um, you know, stuff that's caused by man. Uh, Don, I had a guy on my campus when I was president of Oklahoma Wesleyan University from the University of New Hampshire, and his name is Dr. David Legate. Basically, he came in and said, yeah, there is climate change, and yeah, there are times of warming, and we're in one of those. But he said, here's what you need to look at when you analyze why the temperatures are increasing. And he put up a chart that showed sunspot activity as far back as we've been able to measure it. In other words, the bursts, the explosions on the sun. There are times when they're greater, and there are times when they're lesser. And he showed that sunspot activity, and then he laid another graph over that graph, over that chart, and it was the Earth's temperature. And do you know what it showed? A direct correlation. The two graphs were almost identical. So the point is this. The sun is causing weather patterns, much more so than you or I or cows that are out in the field passing gas. And to try to impose your elitist views on farmers by making it impossible for them to buy the fertilizer they need, need to grow food is going to do nothing other than hurt people and put them into deprivation and starvation. Uh, Bjorn Lumberg wrote a book called Cool It, where he, as an economist, he said, we are going to put millions upon millions of third world people into the position of having to burn dung and wood for their fuel. And what will be the result of that? Greater pollution and greater, um, a lesser life expectancy, because they're going to be inhaling all of these fumes, all of these gases, all of this smoke from dirty fuel. This stuff makes no sense, and they know it. In that, or in light of that last point, and this is a, this is a uh, topic I've uh, talked about for years here on the show. We've had the honor of having some experts, as you uh, rightly described them, uh, such as uh, Dr. Patrick Michaels here, climatologist from I think formerly with the University of Virginia. But in any event, in light of the fact that there are some very sane, well-informed voices, such as you've cited. Uh, knowledgeable scientists, climatologists have been telling us for years that this is largely just a huge hoax. How is it that nobody's been able to drive the stake through the heart of this uh, craziness uh, that has been sold uh, uh, car blanche across the, uh, really across the globe? I think it's the abandonment of a biblical worldview, and, and a lot of that rests on the shoulders of the pastorate. Uh, when the churches aren't preaching biblical yes. truth, and, and we're buying the lie. We're drinking the Kool-Aid. We're perpetuating this alarmism. 
we don't educate ourselves well enough to confront these things and say, wait a second, it sounds like you're elevating, back to my point, the planet over the people. Where in the Bible does it ever tell us to do that? It sounds like you've bought into radical Darwinism, where really the human being is nothing but an evolved dog or pig or cat or cow or amoeba. So why are we considered any better than those other forms of life. And if we're not any better or different or exceptional, then of course, part of the solution would just be to eliminate people, right? The logical consequences of bad ideas are bearing themselves out in our culture. And who's responsible? Well, I would argue that the pastors are greatly responsible for not preaching the Bible in the first place. Amen to that. Uh, you already mentioned, of course, we cited your title, The Church of, Ga- the Church of Gaia, Elevating the Planet Over people, and I happened across a piece in the Irish, Irish Times headlined, God make, God, uh, God, comma, make way for Gaia, a deity that even atheists can believe in. And of course, this is, uh, this is what you're addressing is that, uh, elaborate on that point of the ancient philosophy of Gaia to begin with, because this is where they try to justify their approach theologically, if you will. Well, Gaia, again, is uh, it's the Greek goddess of nature. Uh, so that's what we're dealing with, a Greek god like Zeus or Hercules. Well, now we have Gaia. And this is an ancient goddess of the pagan world. And what did those people in pagan times do to pacify or placate Gaia? They sacrificed to her. And what were some of the things they sacrificed? Human beings. When we break a worldview— Excuse me, when we break the biblical worldview, when we step away from the Judeo-Christian ethic, when we stop worshiping the God that we see in the Bible and worship any other God, the end result is always going to be brokenness and the degradation of the human being. We're going to demean the human being to the point where we actually start sacrificing human beings for the sake of that God or goddess. And we've seen this in the Mayans. We've seen this in the Aztecs. We've seen this in the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Canaanites. We've seen it in the Israelites when they started sacrificing their own children to Moloch and to Baal. And now today we're on the, we're on the doorstep of worshiping another god, the planet, Gaia, Terra Mater, Mother Earth, and we're elevating the environment over the actual reality of the human being and the importance and the exceptional, this exceptional nature of who we are as man and woman, the pinnacle of God's creation. Imago Dei, the image of God, we're actually demeaning ourselves to the Imago Dog, the image of the animal, sacrificing ourselves accordingly. Final question for this quick visit, and I so appreciate what you write and the chance to talk with you about it. Where to from here for people who do have their heads screwed on straight, they just feel outnumbered, and then you have the powers of the presidency itself and some members of Congress, if you will. You cited a couple of senators who think this has not gone far enough with what the president's doing now. Uh, How do we push back effectively? Well, I just I, I repeatedly in my writing and my speaking, Don, tell the church, grow a spine. We need to grow a spine and step into the public square and be prepared to preach the truth, teach the truth and call a spade a spade. It's, for example, women are real and we should be willing to say a woman is a fact. She's not a fabrication. She's not a fantasy. We can win the, these things if we just stick to the truth and have courage and grow a spine. But when we drink the Kool-Aid and we want to be affirming more than 
faithful to Scripture, when we want to affirm people and make them feel good about their sin rather than confronting it and calling out folks uh, for revival and confession, we're going to fail to present the gospel. We're told that the cross is an offense. Why is it an offense? Because it is the ultimate truth. The gospel doesn't make you feel good about yourself all the time. Sometimes you feel guilty, and that's good because you need to confess your sins, not feel comfortable about them. So I would argue that one of the big solutions for those listening to you right now on your radio show is to grow a spine, get some courage, and speak the truth boldly in the public square. And make some choices where they count. I've said for a long time, others have said it better and probably more often, uh, politics and voting does matter. In other words, the people that we put in office, we ought to have a sense of who they are and what they really believe. Because, look, we now, as I've already said and you've cited, uh, we have the highest office in the land pushing this radical agenda. And we do have something to say about that when we go to the polls. Yes, we do. And, you know, you don't even know this, Don. I don't think you do. I'm running for office right now, uh, county commissioner in Oklahoma. Why am I doing that? I have no ambition to be a county commissioner. This is not my career goal, but I'm doing it because it matters. Leadership matters, and we have to step forward and be willing to be the solution rather than hiding our head in the sand and pretending the storm is going to blow over. It's not unless we step in with courage and conviction and do something about it. Where can folks find out more about your campaign? On your website? Yes, go to DrEverPiper.com. That's D-R-E-V-E-R-E-T-T-P-I-P-E-R.com. Yeah. And again, local offices matter. We found that out during COVID. Oh, yes. I mean, those that that had good leadership locally actually realized more freedom rather than less in the face of COVID because of their local leadership. Great to talk with you. Let's do it again. Thank you very much. Blessings, Don. Thank you. Everett Piper, Dr. Everett Piper, a man of considerable experience in a number of different areas, as we've already said, college president for a number of years, serving at Oklahoma Wesleyan University, and uh, also a columnist for the Washington Times. This one's called The Church of Gaia, Elevating the Planet Over People, still available on the Washington Times website, I'm sure. And, of course, his books that I mentioned at the outset, you want to get those and read them, Not a Daycare. The Devastating Consequences of Abandoning Truth, and his more recent book, Grow Up, Life Isn't Safe, But It's Good. One more time, his website is com. Dr. Everett Piper. Thanks for listening to Christian Outlook. Our program is coming to you today in partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. It's America's most unique graduate leadership programs offered on Pepperdine's breathtaking campus in Malibu, California. Learn more at publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. If you enjoy our podcast, take a moment and tell a friend to subscribe today.